What's happening? What's going on? How y'all doing? This is Chill Time is Will Time. I'm your host, William Moore. And my guy, Ray, over here. Ray, go ahead and introduce yourself, boss. Hey, how's everybody doing? Raymond Blackledge here, holding it down. That was real corporate, bro. That was real corporate. That was real that corporate. Was real corporate. Okay, okay. You know, you I just came from work, so, you know. <laughs> you, can, you can relax a little bit. <laughs> you can relax right, a little bit. Right, okay. You know, but I, you know, I can dig you putting on that Carlton Banks, so. though. This I'm is Raymond Blackfish. Yep, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Distinction. So, for, for, for all my listeners, for all y'all don't know, this is actually a really good friend of mine. I, uh, back in the day when I was doing some uh, outreach programming and working for the YMCA, we met probably at a, we, did, we, did we first meet at like a, a Emily conference or what was it? Where, how did we meet? You know, David Battle. Booty, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. met through booty, yeah. For y'all, oh, so y'all don't get all crazy out there too. That's <laughs> David Battle <laughs> is a dude that I played football with in college. His nickname was Booty, so we didn't meet. How some of y'all's minds in the gutter might be thinking. That's good so, to know. That's good to know. <laughs> make yeah, make sure to go ahead and put that out there for people get all crazy and stuff. Um, yeah, but we met through David, huh? Yep. Yep, David was trying to get some brothers together that he just met and say, hey, you know what? I think That's you right. Have, you, guys should, you guys should get together and link up. and Yep, network. Um, yeah, we all had a chance to just conversate. And I think that first week we had was in St. Paul at the, um, I forget what restaurant was now, but yeah, we all just sat down and chopped it up for a minute. Was it was it Dixie's? It might have been Dixie's, actually. Like I yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been Dixie's. Yep. Was there somebody else with us, too, or was it just us three? I can't us, remember. It was us three at first, and then we were going to start inviting people. Um, and, that, and that was how we kind of get that clue in. So, at first, we all we met to see if yep. this makes yep. sense. And then after that, we started to reach out and branch out to the rest of the brothers. So, that we, we said, hey, yeah. let's come kick it. So, yep. that yep. was cool. <laughs> that was a grip, wasn't it? That was a grip now. Man. That was a minute ago. So, um... So needless to say, me and Ray are just are, are, are really good friends, and um, professionally, he's a he's a rising star and is a place of employment. Um, he knows his stuff and just an all around great guy. Um, so I thought it'd be great to have him on um, and just kind of and have a good conversation with him. To be honest with you, because me and Ray, I mean, both of us are so busy these days. We don't really get to sit down and rap like we used to. It's Every once in a blue moon, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the last time we actually sat down and had a really good conversation was probably, I mean, really a year ago at this point until you made your, you made your transition. Yep. <clears throat> you made your transition. Yep. So, which, actually, just before that, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just was before I made that one. made that move because I know we were uh, we were both kind of sitting down, kind of like plotting, <laughs> what, what, we, what should we do? It's old pinky in the brain type of mindset, yes, it wasn't was. it? Yes, it was. I know. That was a, that was a man. We had many, many eventing sessions <laughs> about that. All good, though. Like I said, it's all about growth and development and how do you continue to be above status quo and, and, not, and not be status quo. So that's, that's and just be I'm a great doing. example of a, of, a, of a good person, to be honest with you. Yep. And uh, I, can, I can vouch for Ray and honestly say he is that. You know what I mean? Me, on the other hand. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to start, off, um, to start off the interview... <clears throat> Um, and really to start off the show, uh, most of the time, every now, every now and then, I, you know, I skip it. But most of the time, I have a little session at the beginning of the show that I call Graduate Decisions. You know me. It's, it's sarcastic for just stupid, stupidity. Something that you've seen real stupid out in the world. Or something you've seen somebody do that was real stupid and you just want to call it out. So I'm going to let you, I'm going I'm to I'm bless you with the first opportunity here. 
Um, what is one of the dumbest things that you've seen in the news or current events this past week? Oh, my goodness. Where to begin? Um, you know, I'm going to take this from my wife. Uh, she was just talking about um, a friend. Not I say a friend. Somebody she knows from school um, back when she was in, in um, high school who posted, who posted something in regards to um, the current situation around people separating kids from their parents. Oh, God. So we're going political on it real quick. And the, like, the comment that she made had no justification as to the reason why people are separating kids and the importance and the value of which families place in, in, in America uh, because they said they're breaking the law and if you're breaking the law, then you you shouldn't you you're, you should know that your kids are gonna be taken from you. So basically, parroting some some garbage they heard from Jeff Sessions. Yeah, yeah, really, really, really unfortunate um, to think about <laughs> the people who <laughs> keep it in corporate. Really yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. Well, it, it, and it was fine. So like, so you think and I asked her, I said, "What's her what's her level of education? What's her level of understanding about the world around her?" And she said, well, she's never left a small town, A. Mm-hmm. And then she just graduated high school, and that was it. And as we know, education, I will say this, and I'll always be a preacher of this, education is important and vital. I think how we educate, though, is, is also necessary. Don't listen to everything somebody tells you. Like, be able to do your own research, understand that. Right, right. We can get to that later, though. Kind of some, there's some conversation around, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> around that later on. So For sure. Topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So then I'll go. So with me... Um, kind of revolves around the same thing. Um, the absolute ignorance that you hear some people like spout when it comes to politics these days hmm. is it's just <laughs> <laughs> like I even struggle to come up with adjectives. And That's deep. That's deep. to to even describe the utter stupidity that comes out. But the thing that I'm going to highlight as a graduate decision is, I guess it was either I was on CNN or MSNBC. Um, <laughs> one of the uh, the border security officers or whatever was interviewed, right? Oh, and they had them, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they had them interviewed and. He was t- like the the reporter basically asked them. They're like, "Yeah, so you know, we have the you guys you guys have these kids in cages, yada yada yada, and and, and kind of going on about it, how horrible it is, and you know, what do you think about that?" This dude had the nerve to fix his lips and say, "Well, can you please not say they're in cages? That really makes you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it makes you feel uncomfortable. How well, about the children in the cages? Yeah, interesting enough. How about that?" How about the children sitting in the cages? How about their comfort level? You're uncomfortable hearing about the yep. fact that you're putting kids in cages. How about the kids in the cages? Yeah. And you think about... That is one of the dumbest, <laughs> like, like... I wanted to... Like, it was so stupid, bro. It was so stupid that as I heard it, you know how, like, you don't mean to, or you maybe you thinking something in your head, oh, yeah. and you make facial expressions, but you don't know it's after the fact... Oh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, like, <laughs> dude, it was so stupid that my jaw dropped. And the only reason I know my jaw dropped is because after about 30 seconds, I started to, like, feel that my mouth was dry. Oh, that, and my mouth was dry because of all the air coming into it. 
Because my mouth was wide open. I was like, he really just said, can you not say that? That's, that's, it, 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 it makes him uncomfortable to hear people accuse them of being cruel to kids. How about just stop being cruel to kids? Is this the same? I think I think I actually heard a little bit about this as well, too, because this person spoke around misinformation. And just kept saying, oh, this is, that's misinformation. That might be. And I then think there's something else I heard around Border Patrol and somebody said. That's like, Kirsten Nielsen or whatever. Yeah, okay. That's, okay. So that's a different person. Okay. Uh, she's an idiot, too. So she can, <laughs> she can follow up in that. She's an idiot, too. So we'll let her roll with that. She didn't, she didn't do herself a favor. She's past graduate decisions. She's in PhD decisions. She's Ooh. about as dumb as they get. There are levels to it. Man. That whole administration is levels. Yeah, she done leveled up. It's like Super Mario Brothers. She's she's had two of the mushrooms or corn, whatever they used to eat back then. I don't, it's been it's so mushrooms. long. It's mushrooms. Yeah. Oh my god. Dude. But so so anyway. <laughs> oh my god. We'll move on from that. <laughs> Just get to the main, the main crux, the main point of the interview, man. So, um, the main point of uh, today's episode of today's show, man, is you, man. I wanted to highlight you, man, because I feel like you're a great example of a young of a young brother out doing some great work, who um, whose heart is out doing really good things in the community, and he's somebody that a lot of kids and stuff can look up to. And I think that's very important, man, um, especially this day and age where, as we just highlighted, we got a lot of things, especially politically, going on that, you know, give people a very dire outlook very on true. the world today. You know what I mean? It's very, if you're somebody who pays attention to the, to the news or you're somebody who's always in the social media, um, it is very easy for you to have a very pessimistic view of life itself right now. And so I think it's always good to kind of um, refocus and and while we don't want to forget and um, we don't want to forget the negative things that are going on, because if we overlook those and we forget them, then we neglect to fix them mm. and we have to fix them. True. But it's also good to bring some focus out there to, to actual some good people out there doing some great things. And as I said, you're one of those people. Well, I appreciate that. Definitely. So I wanted to um, just kind of wanted to rap with you, man, highlight, highlight what you're doing and, and just have fun, man. Because yeah. like I said, we don't get to do this all the time. So. Um, why don't you go ahead and start? Uh, maybe give some pe- uh, the people like a back, you know, some background into who you are, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say I grew up. I was a military brat, so that was that was who rock. Yeah, yeah, I am <laughs> so, too. I am I, too. I do a lot of traveling um, and meet a lot of people and do a lot of things like that. That nature. Um, and then let's see. I, I got right now currently a beautiful wife, a beautiful son. Um, uh, but that all came about, like I said, this was my travels and being able to experience here. So I started, yeah. yeah, clearly your son got it from his mom as you, far as the way know, he looks. I, I ain't mad at him about you that. Know you know, he's, for, he's fortunate. He's fortunate. Raise a mud duck, y'all. Mud duck. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't lying, though. <laughs> no, but yeah, so uh, I have four brothers, um, including myself. So there's four of us. My mom essentially at the at the younger age started to raise all of us I mean, by herself, essentially. Um, so raising four um, black males in you know a United States recognized what that meant for her, but also what that meant for us to be strong, but also um, very grounded in our foundation. And so that foundation for us was set on our faith and, and belief in, in Christ and and recognizing what He's done for us and how we continue to look through Him and, and that vision that She set for us uh, as a foundation. And after that. Um, I mean, like we all went our own different ways, and we all kind of got to where we're at now. Currently, this you know, this based on you know, experiences. 
But uh, for me, what led me to Minnesota in general, um, I was blessed and fortunate to have a track scholarship to come run at the University of Minnesota. So, what'd you run? Uh, I was a long triple jumper, and then I did 400 meters on down. So I was, I was all right. You're right. I was all right. You're right. right. I did some things out there. You know, I ran that 400. <laughs> I don't think you want none of this. I don't, I don't know. We, we can go there right now. We're going to do this. Hey, we yeah. can do whatever. Yeah. Hey, as soon as we get off. We ain't going to track, though. So. Oh, yeah. Hey, y'all heard that? He's already making wait. excuses. We're going to wait until you want to do it. You want to do it. We can do what we got to do. Talk, all right. Let me just paint a picture real quick. Everybody know Will. Will's 220, 225. Uh, 240. 240. Oh. <laughs> 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 all right. We'll put some weight on. But um, 225. That's good weight, though. Let's do it. That's good weight. He looks good. I will say that. Uh, on one one sixty five one seventy, on a good day one seventy. <laughs> on a good day one seventy. On a good day so, with two twenty five pound weights in his pockets. Wearing right, some clogs. You, you got jokes. It's cool though. And uh, some clogs. Just, and just considering. All right. Anyway, as we digress. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry as well. As we digress though. Um, but no. Um, so yeah, that led me here to the University of Minnesota. Um, I got a chance to get some amazing education, some experiences within that. Uh, and has kept me here for you know the last. Where'd you get your degree in? Oh yeah, sorry. So I got my undergrad degree in youth studies, uh, and I got my master's in youth development and leadership. So um, with that, this that opened a whole wide opportunity of doors for me as far as like where I could go with that. What was your? Let me ask what your original intention was when you got so so a when you got uh, to the University of Minnesota. Did you know what you wanted to major in, or did you know what you want to do? And b after you you know you did you 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 delved into your major or whatever. What were your plans career wise once you graduated? Oh, great question, actually. So I actually came to the University of Minnesota for the architecture program. Believe it or not, so that was my first passion, first love. Um, the concept behind that was I was able to create structures and places for people to grow and develop and feel safe. Um, and foundationally, you start that at home. Um, you start that in building certain locations. So for me, I was like, I love to create and design. I love to have, have a wide imagination as far as how things could be, spaces and places could be utilized. And it was one of those things where I was like, I can try. I, I, I think I can do this pretty well. Yet, lo and behold, <laughs> there's a lot and a lot of drawing um, that goes on that's, that's involved in, in, in architecture. Um, I knew AutoCAD and all that fun stuff, but freehand drawing, that's not my strong suit, but I can, I can AutoCAD something to the ump degree. Right. But recognizing that, too, and then also some of my track aspirations, I had to make some decisions about what I wanted to do. Um, and luckily, I had a career counselor. He was like, hey, you should check out this program. Like, you're really good with people. You're really good with working with kids. You do a lot of volunteer activities. Why don't you come check this out? It's called Youth Studies. So um, invited me to come check out. I, I took a couple classes that semester. So this was my... Junior year, actually. So I'm, I'm like, I'm in my major. You're in there. I'm, I'm doing stuff. Yeah. Um, so my junior year, I take a couple classes. I'm like, you know what? I can see myself doing this. I took my first class with Mike Bazerman, um, and that just opened my world to opportunities to continue to be impactful and have different meaningful dialogue and conversations with people in a different way um, in, a, in a field that's kind of marginalized in a certain degree. Yeah, I would agree. That, yeah, we recognize that youth are our future, but youth are our present, too. Yeah, so, I've, yeah, and I've said before, I've I've said it a lot. Maybe you've heard me say it before. I've even said it on this podcast too. Once and for you know, always when it comes to youth, 
we are great at underpreparing them mm. and sending them out in the world, and then we get pissed at them when they fail. Yep. It makes no sense at all. Yep. And I'll continue to preach that until it changes. And that's, and that's great. That's why I'm, I get to be at the forefront of that, <clears throat> trying to help promote some of that change, but, you know, create some opportunities for them to grow and learn um, before they get out into the real world. Um, and some of them are out there already. Um, but, yeah, so with that, I got a chance to learn uh, what new studies actually meant and what that, what that looked like in that, in that field. And uh, one thing I learned as well, too, is, like, it's not youth workers, it's youth practitioners. Because the one thing I think people who work in this field recognize is that you have to continue to learn about people. People yeah. change. People continue to grow and develop. Youth are going to continue to grow and develop and change as well, too. So for us, we have to be more intentional around learning um, where our, what those nuances are. So I always see practitioners versus youth workers because that, that professionalizes the field but also keeps people, you know, you're still learning. Um, but with that, like I said, I, I finished up. I said, you know what? I like this class. Like, this, this is something I can get behind. Uh, what would it look like for me to finish up this major? <laughs> and it was like, all right, you can do it in the next year and a half. So I buckled down to 15, 20. How many credits need to take to, to make sure that I can get this other uh, degree um, and complete that? And I still luckily had a, a year left to track uh, within that. So. I was like, you know what, there's a master's program you should look into. I think it'd be a good fit for you. I think it will help continue to enhance some of your knowledge and skill sets as well as you already currently have. I said, let's do this then. So I started the master's program my fifth year, ran track that last year, but continued my master's program after that and completed the year after. So then would you would you say that you would credit um, that advisor to essentially like changing your life or, or at least heavily influencing it because they definitely changed the trajectory of which way you were going to go as far as um, what you wanted to do professionally. Oh, definitely. I think um, and it's funny that you say that. Uh, Cindy Pavlovsky, some of those shout out to you out there as well. Um, but when I think about talking to my high school teachers and coaches, they're like, we're not surprised that's the kind of work you're doing. We're not surprised that that's the, that's the realm that you went into because you were so intentional on when you were current. When you yeah. were here as a high school student, like doing that, like you helped other people, you helped other students, you were, they didn't help, but you helped to support and guide and, and, and be the instrument for them as well, too, and be an advocate. Um, so it's no surprise that you're doing this work now. So, yeah, I think she saw something in me um, and kind of pushed me even harder in the direction and say, I think you should check this out more so. And I think the one thing that's beautiful about that is when you think about architecture and you think about combining youth work and the whole concept aspect, the foundations. We get to create and build foundations for young people. It just looks True. different. So that's the beautiful part about like combining that brain, that mindset. Because I have a, a brain that's like, all right, structurally, like, how do you continue to build capacity? And now I can do that in a different way with actual people. That's dope. I like that. I like that. So then who would, who would you, who would you mark as your hero, heroes or mentors growing up? Because I think. We all kind of, whether you stayed with the the same career goals or not, yep. it was your heroes or mentors that helped form that foundation for you to even have a direction. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people out there that don't even have direction. You at least had a direction. Now, it might have changed yep. once you got to school, but you had a direction. Definitely. So, who would you, who would you, uh, and it doesn't have to just be one person. Oh, for but, sure. But, but who would you, you know give that title to? Yeah. Um, I would say, hands down, uh, without, without a doubt, my mom definitely set me up. Like I said, it was, it was the foundation she put forth. 
and recognizing like we we need to have a focus and a goal for us um, long term um, and saying you know what like no matter what you do in life you work hard and she was I mean the epitome of that she she grounded out for us she raised four boys four black boys as I said as well four black men um, to be who we are today uh, I'll say my older brother like I don't think I give him enough credit for watching him set the tone and set the pace for us um, he made a lot of sacrifices for us as well too and I'm not sure if he recognizes all that he's done for us as well too so yeah, my older brother definitely was somebody I looked up to, always looked up to, because he was just doing great things and wonderful things. And what is he doing now? So right now, currently, he is a uh, the overseas or he is a manager of a car dealership okay. out in Texas. Um, but this this man had um, he was in law school, and um, this is a little bit of family history as well too. So my mom has passed since um, since I since I've been out here. Um, and what happened was essentially is that she had a stroke um, at my end of my. Oh wow! Senior year in high school, and so that was that. That kind of changed him as well too, as far as so he was. He probably became a caretaker, huh? So he became he became a, a definitely rock foundation for us to 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 lean on in that regard. So I mean, he was, did it from a distance, but his his method of working hard and continuing to push through, and he was doing law school and raising a kid and doing all this and that, um, and still seeing them persevere and, and push through a lot of that. Um, kind of helped set the tone for us and continue to set the tone for me to say, you know what, like I have little brothers too, so I gotta. I had to buck up and make sure I'm making moves too, um, but yeah, my older brother for sure was was definitely in that in that aspect. I had tons of coaches. I mean, I more coaches than I can name right yeah, now. Yeah, I feel like when you're, I feel like you're when you're an athlete, because um, I've talked about a few of my old coaches before. But when you're an athlete, even if it's a, a coach that you don't necessarily even like, yes, you learn something <laughs> from them though. So true. Like sports. You know what I'm saying? Like, helps you, you know, really teaches you a lot of um, structure. It teaches you a lot about perseverance. It teaches you a lot about what's on the inside of you. You know what I mean? teaches you a lot about whether or not you're strong enough to push through certain things mentally and emotionally. Um, it, it teaches you about life. You know what I mean? It does. Um, it even teaches you, like, I'm a firm believer. Because, I'll tell you this. I'll go as far as say, I'm one of those people, like, I don't like participation trophies. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. I'm, I'm like, with, shit I'm up. I'm old school. I will say that. And the, reason, <laughs> and the reason I don't like them is because I think, it, I think when you give participation trophies, that it absolutely takes away one of the biggest lessons that sports teaches you about life. And that lesson is, sometimes in life, you can do your absolute best. You can give it everything you got. And you know what? It still ain't good enough. You can still fail. Does that mean you're a failure per se? No, it doesn't. It just means that no matter the the fact that you gave it everything you have, just wasn't enough at that particular time. Yep. It doesn't mean that it won't be enough at a different time. It doesn't mean that it won't be enough and that you won't succeed in something else. Yep. But you have to be able to learn that it doesn't matter that that just because you treat you get you go all out means that you're going to be rewarded because you're not. So you know what I'm saying? You're not going to be rewarded, I guess, monetarily or uh, materialistically. There might be uh, an intrinsic reward that you receive from that, knowing that you have the capability to give it your all, knowing that you have the capability to lose and learn from that loss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But everybody, I mean, man, I grew up with, with a family that's like, Yo, if you lost, you lost. Like, it's a wrap, yeah. Move you on, ain't get yeah. no ribbon. Like, <laughs> fam, you didn't get first. Like, <laughs> deal with you it. Win. Yeah, deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. 
Second place is first loser in line. Now I know that's a little extreme, yeah, it, it, that's, but that's but for me I got that because <laughs> I didn't take that personal as if like, yo, I can't do anything right or I'm never gonna be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just worked harder and you realize like I'm gonna learn from this loss. And lucky for me, m- most of the time I I typically always won. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But even when I lost, even though when I t- even when I did lose. I took it hard. I looked at it. How can I fix it? And even if it, I, I just wasn't able to overcome, doesn't matter. I gave it everything. You know what I mean? Well, I think the part and I learned about myself. Yeah. And I learned, you know what? Look, look. Let's look a different direction. Well, you want to reflect. Like that's such a that's such a crucial part for learning is reflecting. reflecting and nobody wants to reflect. <laughs> that's, and that's 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 what you talk about. I think you know we talk about now in the working world that we're in this in this every day. A lot of times you have to sit down and reflect. Like, did I make the right decision? Was that, the, was that the best move? Especially when you're in a leadership position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and unfortunately, we don't stuff. have enough of those who do know how to reflect. Mm-hmm. And, well, man, well, we, we can go political <laughs> all day, but we're going to keep it local. <laughs> local low level, so we'll, we'll, stay, we'll stay with that. But, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, coaches, um, definitely tremendous, tremendous um, parts of my life and growth and development. I have many teachers. So I've been very fortunate and very blessed to have a lot of people who always imparted in me like you have you have the skills and abilities and and the know wit and know how to, to do things so let's do it <laughs> you had the Ray cheerleading squad I had, I, had, I, had, I had a nice cheerleading squad I ain't gonna lie like I said I think you know some people come from the from the from the from the hard knock that you know they had this grind and work out I mean I still have to grind and work for things but people saw they saw something else in me that helped me continue to see that in myself but you know push me to that level so. so what you just said you said a lot of people saw something in you and and that helped you to see something in yourself. Yeah. Now, I want you to take that and talk about that very same thing yep. in your current role with what you do. Tell, tell people kind of like what you do yeah. and how you use that very same, what you just said um, in your current role. Definitely. Because yeah. I think that's good. I think that is very important um, with what you currently do. All right. Yeah, so currently... Um I don't know if I can drop the organization name. You don't have to drop the organization, but just talk about what you do. So what I do, I I partner with um, systems, county systems, with kids who are on probation. Um, And I have a a team of staff who help to support these young people and removing some of the barriers I've gotten into trouble. So, for instance, kids who had maybe stolen a car or gotten their first offense, there's somebody that we might be uh, supporting work in my program uh, that we offer for young people. And some of our main focuses are, like, how do we help you with education, employment, those, those pro-social activities that keep you involved in the community, but in a positive way, and then making sure that you just have everything you need to grow and develop to be a, to be a as, as we like to call it, a, a, good, a do-gooder of society or a, a, model, a model citizen <laughs> um, to some degree. But, like to, but to really, like I said, how do we continue to impart um, knowledge on you so that you feel, A, that you're not your crime because you're not your crime. Right. This isn't the end-all, be-all for who you are. Like, you are more than this. And, I think and that's, that's the part that we, we truly try to instill in young people. Like, and I think that it. that's so important because that's one of the biggest issues that I have with our criminal justice system, right? So you you, you make a mistake and you pay for it, which I'm cool with. I'm, I'm all for that. Yep. I'm not yep. saying that everybody should get a slap on the wrist and get let go for things. But what, the, 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 what they like to say is once you did your time – You've paid your debt to society. But we know that that's not true because once you get out, it's like having a scarlet letter. You yep. can't get a job. 
You know what I mean? Or or it's, or it's super difficult to get a job. They're not supposed to discriminate against you, but they do. Yeah. That's the whole point of why they even ask questions of the job application, whether or not you've been jailed or convicted of a crime or not anyway. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? You And then once you can't get a job, you're unable to to make money. Yep. You know what I mean? So especially if you the crime that you were committed happened to be in, I don't know, on the black market with drugs or whatever it may be to 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 basically fund yourself or your or your household. You know yep. what I mean? You're making money out of it. So that's different than just like stealing a car or vandalism or whatever. Yep. Oftentimes the reason that they say they say offenders often repeat themselves is because we push them in a the corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't allow them to to make a living on their own when they get out. So then they go back to this to this uh to these you know these activities of attaining you know, money through the black market, you know what I'm saying, through the underground, and then they often get caught again. They're unable to get, depending on what type of offense you were put in jail for or how serious the offense, you're unable to get public housing. Yep. You know, so a lot of you, a, a lot of them wind up on the streets homeless if they're not able to find somebody to stay with. If somebody that they're trying to stay with it lives in public housing, they're that person can lose their public housing very quickly. You know what I mean? Like it's all type of stuff. So it's like I think it's very important to to instill that what you just said about you know letting these 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 youth know that you are not the crime mm-hmm. because society itself really does treat them like they are the crime. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a struggle because a lot of them you know, you you've heard and I mean, like I said, let's just be honest. Like sometimes we go on paths and like I said, there are. There are, you have a choice to be made, of course. But there are still paths you can take, and like all it takes is one person or one thing somebody says to you that changes your trajectory. Like in my instance, like you said, someone's like, I think you're really good at this. You should try it. Right. Change my whole trajectory. I mean, right now I could be sitting in a, in a building this designing and creating models for people to live in, but I actually get the chance to be impactful on the ground level and being really intentional around that. So I think it is important, virtually, mildly important for us to make sure that we're instilling that you are a great person. You have actions that we don't agree with, and these actions have consequences, yet this isn't the end-all, be-all for your life. And especially at a young person, they like, you're, you're between 10 and 21, the kids we work with, and you have an opportunity to make some changes in your life, but you have to want that as well, too. And we have to, we're, we're, we help try to bridge that gap so you can see, like, this is what the opportunities can be. Right. This is what you are limited to, because you're right, like, you speak about adults in the system, once you've been in that system, you continue, it, you continue to live in that system. Regardless. And they work hard to get us to be a part of that system at a young age. It starts when you're a youth. Yes, you know it what does. I mean? They, yes, it, it starts does. when you're a youth. I've seen it. I've heard of youth being put in, like, gang databases just because of the color type of sweater or whatever they're wearing or who they're w- walking around with. Never mind the fact that they're not actually a part of a gang, but that person they're walking, walking with who might be a part of a gang and half the time aren't actually aren't Yep, is their older brother or their cousin or whatever. So you can't walk around with your relatives? That's craziness. Or simply because they you live in a certain neighborhood. So it's just a way of like they profiling, profiling you, sticking you in a database so that they can pull you over, Stop you, question you, whatever you know, whatever it may be, for oh, yeah. no apparent reason. And so, like you know what I mean. And that's all a part of a, a discussion that we don't have to get into today. But that goes all in part. That's like the beginnings um, of how they even free uh, a feed this whole prison industrial complex, which is uh, lucrative and sinister all in itself. Yeah, it really is. I think 
you know, the, the aspect that, you know, we continue to talk about is know your history. Oh, yeah. Recognize and understand where and why this is the way it is and, and how certain things are set up to continue to keep people where they're at. And I think, you know, from a systemic standpoint, especially to our prison systems and the justice system in general, we all know that, you know, there, there's definitely some wrongs within that. But how do we continue to now say, hey, let's, let's speak up and talk about this in a very open manner. So there can be some change. It's going to be a slow moving shit because this has been hundreds and hundreds of years. They designed and created this. But how many. So I'm assuming that often you talk with some like some of the youth you work with about this very same thing. Oh, yeah. How many of them do you think actually get it? And, and I'm asking this question. Not making an assumption that all of them get it or yeah. all of them don't get yeah. it. I'm just curious because you're in you're in the mix of this work right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I think part of it is is how are you beating that young person where they're at? Like, how are you relaying this information so that they can even even continue to conceptualize like what this looks like? Because a lot of a lot of time, a lot of them have heard of some of this prison pipeline conversation. They don't know what that is. They don't even know their history. Because unfortunately, a lot of our kids who are in the system right now, currently that we work with, are are brown and black kids, and it's and, generational and it's, too. And, it's, and it is generational. And it's how do you now break the system but introduce something new to them? Um, and so all those copies, I think they, they do get, they do understand like there's something that doesn't seem right. They can't put a finger on what that is exactly because it's like, all right, I don't, I've never experienced this. Nobody's talked to me about it in this way. Yeah. But they're interesting. You can see you can see their eyes light up and they can recognize like something's not right now how do I now become a part of the solution versus continuing to you know continuing the cycle that we're currently in and so I think it is it lights hit for different kids at different times and I have a few kids who came who've come back like a couple years later um, especially talking to my staff and like I appreciate what you said to me about A, B, and C and they're like I don't know what you're talking about that, but it's like those little instances where you had those very intentional conversations about where you could end up and what this might do for you in your future, that, you know, we don't know what that, but that little nugget might do for somebody later on. So it's just planting the seeds and being able to communicate that to some degree so they have that information, what they do with it is what they do with it, but planting that seed is, is, is crucial. I know people are like, oh, planting the seed. Right. But... But that's what, important, though. Yeah, the plant can't grow do? if there's nothing even, exactly. the seed so not even in there to, to begin with, so... You know what I mean? It's not your job to save the world. It's your job to set the foundation to save the world. Yes. we Yeah. Well, that's the one I'm, I'm big on communicating with anybody who, who I work with and support. Is like, we don't save people. Like, you, you, you can't. You help you can't, people save themselves. Yes. Yes. You, you can't go with the mindset that I'm trying to save the world because now it's going to burn you out. But oh, it's yeah. not fair to them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're, you're insinuating that they can't. Yeah. They can't take care of their own stuff. So you referenced occasions where some of these youth come back and then they kind of recite or relay a lesson back to you that you taught them years or much prior. Yeah. Would you say that that's the most fulfilling part of your job or what is the most fulfilling part of your job? <laughs> I would say that that is a, that's a part that our, our job is a thankless job. I think it goes along lines with a lot that's of That's for sure. It's along lines a lot of those positions where you work with people. Um, people jobs, as we know, aren't really young. young it's altruistic work. Yep. So um, I think each day for me, each moment that I have um, to recognize and see my team members and how hard they push and work for kids and how we're, how we navigate this certain issue or certain problem a young person might be going through, that continues to give me energy. Like, I get to, I get to experience vicariously my staff. Like, I don't get to do the director of service work anymore, but 
I'm there. I'm there alongside them. I've done this. I've 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 had years of experience being able to, to dive down and be intentional around like those conversations and seeing that aha moment in a young person. Um, so I think hearing their stories, hearing what they're dealing with, um, and then whatever happened to with Barack, the Barack, their bureaucratic stuff we have to deal with, but also the political stuff we have to deal with. At my level, makes it easy. Like that's easy stuff compared to what they do every day. Right. So I think for me that that keeps me at. That keeps me energized. It keeps me hungry to make sure that we're advocating and supporting young people in ways in which they feel respected and they hurt and their voices are heard. I can dig that. What would you say is the most difficult thing about your job? Um, the most difficult part about my job right now, and I think as this continue will be, is how um, how someone like myself can help within a system that has been designed. Yeah, to, to sabotage and to, all this back. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's like uh, I, I, I like to say it's the equivalent of like you trying to get sand, but you jump into the ocean to get it. <laughs> yeah. You want dry sand, but you're in the ocean to get it. That's, that's, that's a valid point, and, and and like I said, also recognizing like to create change or to even to start to have those conversations, it takes time. And like, <sighs> a I, lot. You, that's my bad. You as an individual and you as a person. Um, you you might you're not gonna read those benefits always. You're not gonna see the the hard. No, it's the, the it's definitely work. the long game. And, and it's an investment. Yeah, and I think that's the part that you know is a struggle sometimes for I think anybody and for me in particular. It's like sometimes the politics behind this stuff. I'm like, let's just do great work. Let's just well, we all care about kids, right? We all care about people yeah. and their growth and development. Let's just and do a, that. Like, and a lot of it, focus. I think, I understand the need for structure. But I under I, I believe that that's part of the design too. Not only is part of the design to entrap some of our youth and entrap some of our adults uh i mean and let's say what you know say what it is entrap poor and brown and black marginalized people inside the system but also when you're trying to navigate the system it's about how can we make it as complicated and difficult as possible to where like you don't even want to persevere to get to the end to even get to the finish line you just say forget it and you accept it Because in a lot of ways, that's the only purpose I see for not all, but a lot of the bureaucracy that we have to deal with and doing, you know, when you have to do community work or uh, work when you're trying to help marginalized groups of people. Yeah. Yeah, that's very well said. Very well said, Will. So, I mean, I don't know. That's a tough, that's that's a a tough thing, man. That's a tough thing to deal with. What... um, if there's, if there's one thing that you could change about your job, what would it be? That's a good question. I think there's one thing I can that I could have a change in. And I can continue to do is how do you celebrate celebrate things more? I think so often we're always on to the next thing. Like how can we continue to change this, change that, or push this, or push be that? More mindful, like, be more mindful, be in the moment, and, and stop. I mean, that's that's me personally. I think that I have a fan, I have a wonderful team that I can support, and and they do a great job with what they do, but like. How can I be more mindful of stopping? Yeah, because you're a machine. You just, you know, ever since I've known you, you kind of, you go, 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 and it's on to the next. Yep. And I was like, I remember us having conversations about that because yep. I was like you that too. Like, hey. Yeah. And then I got, like I said, I got to the point where I was just be like, what I would just be like, nah, nah, I got to stop. When I'm doing the work, I'm 100% into the work, but then. Homes got to be separate too. Yep. Home and work got to be separated. I gotta, I gotta find a great work-life balance, and 
And it wasn't until then that I actually started to like feel better. Because I think when you're into the type of work that you're into and that I used to be into, you're um, still in, it. <laughs> in a way, yeah, you're you know what I mean, it. more but but more from a, a more policy standpoint. Um, Equally as important, just to make sure. Yeah. Downgrade that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think um, it's easy to lose that work-life balance. Like it all just mixes up. Like work goes home, and then pretty soon you're working all the time, no matter what, and you neglect yourself. Um, you, ne- you neglect your family. You neglect anything outside of your actual job that, 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 that matters to your own mental health and well-being. Um, it's easy to lose yourself into it. And it's, and it's crazy because you only do it because you care. Yeah. <laughs> you do it because you care, you, know, you care so much. But it comes a point where you got to look at that and be like, because I'm not doing this 24-7 doesn't mean that I care any less. It just means that I care for myself as well. Yep. You know, and I'm glad you said that because that's the, that's the one that is easy for us to preach that and tell people, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we never we, follow we, it. Yeah. We think, never follow it. And, you know, for me, a reality check for me was like, you know, talking to my partner. She was like, bro. <laughs> you're, you're, like, get your shit together, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, hey, where, where are you at with some of that? Um, are, are you taking care of us as well, too? Like, you can do all the financial stuff, blah, blah, but like. And that's a hard that's a hard question to answer. That's a hard position to be in yeah. when somebody is confronting you with those questions and you work. don't and you don't have a good answer for it. No. Cuz then you if you're a smart person or or you're self-aware, it, it it's at those moments that you reflect. Yeah. And you're like you right. Yeah, you're right. I gotta check. I gotta <laughs> check myself on that. And um, it's not the first time. I, I don't think it'll be the last time. But actually, right. the beautiful part about having a strong partner as well too, and recognizing the work that you do. Um, and the one that I think she does is the same concept. Like she works with with young people. Yeah. Um, but and an education and talk about the education system. We can go. Cool. We can go. That, we can go. We can man, go. Man, 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 man. I know man. that's not what we're about today. So at some point we can come back and. And I used systems. to be. <laughs> yep. And, and I used to be one of those people who was very um, critical of teachers. Um, before I got involved with the educational system years ago. Um, and don't get me wrong. There are some bad teachers out there. Oh, yeah. There's some horrible teachers just, out there. Yeah. There are some do some who do it just for the check. Yep. Um, but that's not how they start out. I, what I did learn is it's not all the teachers. A lot of them are in a system where they are doing the groundwork, they're doing the footwork, they're getting paid very little, they're putting their heart and soul into it, and they're constantly beat down by those atop, uh, you know, over them, right? Um, yeah. They have to be teacher. They have to be parents in some ways. They have to be social workers. They have to be psychiatrists. They have to be psychologists. They have to be so. They have to be everything. Yeah. All right. To the, to some of these students, every year they keep expecting more out of them, and they keep cutting their resources. You know what I mean? Because it, it's facts. You know what I mean? And they're always they're, they're dealing with changing curriculums all the time. Everything, and it's all coming from the top from people who essentially aren't even in the room. They right? Think they know. Yeah, they think they know they because they were classroom school, teachers right? like twenty years ago or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? When it's like the the atmosphere of a school changes. From year to year, and if you're at a school that has a transient population, the atmosphere of your building can actually change from month to month. Yeah. So just because you've been a, a a school teacher 20 years ago, and now that you're in administration, does not know that does not in any way mean 
that you know exactly what what's needed and goes on in these buildings. So all the more reason why you need to take heed and listen to a lot of these, these teachers and do your best to give them what they need. But that's not what's happening. And so what I found is there's a lot of teachers that go in there looking to do the absolute best. They want to do it because they don't do it for the check. No. Because anybody who knows anything about teachers, especially in, in most of the public school districts, they go on making very little. Barely, to be honest with you, not even enough to really take care of themselves. Nope. Much less take care of those loans that they got to pay after the fact. You know what I'm saying? And But what happens is they they stay at it, they stay at it, they stay at it. They're bumping their head against the wall, bumping their heads in, against the wall. They're still believing in the system, still believing that, that the system is going to help them do what they need to do. And then over time, they lose confidence. And then they become those teachers years later who don't care about the job, don't care about the students, but they just want to get the check because they didn't get out early enough um, because they looked at it as like, well, what else am I going to do? Yep. You know what I mean? I went to school for this. What else am I going to do? And how do you – I know the, the biggest thing we have to talk about is how do you fill your cup outside of that? And I know you talk about finding that. I don't want to say balance because I think – I mean, balance is a great word for it as well too, but harmony. Because yes. I feel like there's, there's so much – um, like I said, with people work, that is a part of your life, and it's not something for you sure. Just, you know, just, I can't just turn. You can just turn it off, and like I'm, I'm crunching numbers and I'm done. It's like it's a continual cycle. You reflect, like you talk about, yeah. you reflect, and you continue to think about that. So yeah, I think being I think being a teacher these this this day and age is like someone tying your hands and feet behind you, oh. behind your back, and oh. throwing you in the ocean, and telling you to swim. I'm dead serious, because I know some teachers, and they deal with a lot, man. Yeah. And it's not to say all administrators are bad. You know, there's administrators who are dealing with a lot, too. But it's like you said, it's the system in general. Yep. You know, we got too many t- teachers who are I- ill-prepared, too. They're out here running classrooms where they're not even culturally competent or can't relate to their, the students that they have in there. And then what's happening is they're misinterpreting the way students are responding to them the way students say anything, and then they are referring these kids so many times that they wind up in special ed programs that they don't even need to be in. When it's 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 when it's a simple case of culturally they don't understand the kids that they work with. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. They like they don't understand them at all. It's like I had to, I remember years ago having to tell one teacher, um, she was confused at why all uh, a lot of the students listened to me and not her. Um. And I got kind of offended at first because her reason why is because, oh, it's because you're just a big guy. Or you look like them. I'm like, all right, okay, so, like, we've established that I work out and I lift weights and I'm a big guy. Okay, cool. But that's not – that doesn't work on all of these kids. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, some of these kids have no fear. Do They deal with life and death situations every day. I said the difference between why they listen to me and they don't listen to you is because I approach them in a manner uh, with respect. And what I mean by that is, it's not that some even misinterpret that as meaning like, oh, you treat them like you 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 remove yourself from the adult role and you act like you're the age. No, that's not what I mean. That's not at all what I mean because into the going into the situation and leaving the situation, they understand I'm the adult and they're the child. But it's how I approach them. And what I mean by that, I'll elaborate on this: is many of these kids are nine, ten, eleven years old, right? Yeah. That they're starting to, you know, refer to these different behavioral uh, management programs and and uh, emotional behavioral disability programs. And what happened, and, and, and the issue is, many of these kids at 9, 10, 11 years old are the caretakers for their younger siblings. All right? So even though they're young in age, 
they're engaging in very adult behaviors. Mm-hmm. How do you so so a kid who's who's that young, they may be waking up their younger brother and sister, feeding them breakfast, getting them to school on time, getting them you know getting them home from school, making sure that they are avoiding all the different pitfall pitfalls and dangers on the way to and from. Right? Yep. They're basically adults. And you're going to come yelling at them, talking to them sideways like they're children. Like, they may be a child by age, but they're very grown. Mm-hmm. Now, I know some adults who can't take care of themselves, much less care for children. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, when you approach these kids in a, in a, in a manner of that they're, like, inferior because of their age or they're, 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 they're kids, in their mind, they're not kids. Nope. And in essence, they really aren't. And so... A lot of times I will come to them as if they're 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 grown. I will talk to them like they're grown and they get that. And guess who didn't have a trouble getting the, any problem getting them to do what I needed them to do? Let me guess. It was me. Now they realize enough they got out of, they got out of pocket, they were going to have to deal with me. But it never really it never really crossed that line because I understood. And I feel like until we get more teachers um in the classrooms and a lot of these urban areas and dealing with a lot of our disadvantaged youth, we're going to continue to see kids being referred to emotional behavior disability programs at an alarming rate when they, in fact, aren't disabled at all. They don't need to be. They don't. Yeah. It's, 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 it's staff knowing how to be uh, culturally competent when it comes to that yeah. or, or understand what their, what their kids are going through. And for that, some of these teachers need more resources. They need more training. They need, you know, we don't need to, we don't we don't need to cut their funding. We don't need to cut the amount of resources that they're receiving. We need to add to that. Yeah. And and nobody can tell me that that it's not out there because this country makes a ridiculous amount of money. But it just comes it, it just comes to be that anytime they're looking to cut costs and budgets or whatever anything, the first thing that they look to cut, the first area that they look to cut is in education. Instead of some of these other areas where money's wasted. Stop cutting stop cutting out of education. These teachers and these schools and the, our students need that. Find some other ways to save money in the budget. Cut the budget somewhere else, but stop doing it in education because they're already working with the bare minimum. Yep. There are already enough teachers and, and staff out there who are literally buying supplies out of their own pocket oh, I know that. for their classrooms. I know that. It's ridiculous, you know? You know, and, and with that, too, I think <clears throat> I mean, you had so many topics on that. I think that was so well said and put. And I think even understanding the whole process and reason for school, I think, you know, even with the cultural differences of recognizing school, like there's a there's a history behind that as well. As oh, yeah, for sure. There's a barrier between that. Yeah. And how you how do you now bring in parents and bring in communities to be supportive of these schools and how schools are run and how schools are done to a certain degree? Because not everybody knows how to run a school. Not everybody knows No, not at all. I think that's part of the problem. Like we've all done school in some form or fashion if it has some some uh, feeling towards it, either good or bad or positive or in, in between. And it's recognizing, like, all right, let me take my own bias and what's best for young people, what's best for kids, what's best for educating. And for sure. And talking about budget cuts and affecting education, that's a whole other conversation around how you control. Yeah. How do you, how do you control how people, how, the more educated you are, the more aware you are most of the time. I ain't going to say for everything because you have to when you take, you when you, yeah, when you, when you, when you cut money out of education, all that is is a slick way of uh, of of doing population control. Oh yes, oh. it's just a real roundabout way of engaging in population control, um, because the less education means less opportunity. Less opportunity 
means less resources, yep. more poverty, and in more poverty, you find more crime. Death, you know what I'm saying, either by violent crime, uh, you know, hunger, yep. homelessness, all of the above. Prison, you know what I'm saying, school-to-prison pipeline, all of that is a result of the lack of resources and can be rooted in education. Yep. You know what I mean? So... That's my take on that, man. Well, I, I hear you. That, that makes a lot of sense. I think uh, we've echoed the sentiments, I think, before. So. Yeah. yeah. What are uh, some of the toughest cases you ever had to handle in your job? You know, I would say it's from a, from a, from a very broad point of view. Is I think the mental health um, the mental health of our young people and recognizing, like, that's a real serious problem. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think that... You know, as, as, as time goes on, uh, I think we're continuing to be more intentional around recognizing that and supporting uh, the mental health needs of young people, but knowing, like, the trauma that they go through. Recognizing that trauma, being trauma-informed um, so we can support them the best way possible. Like you talked about before, it's like, I have to know what you go through and how you go through your day so that I can uh, speak to you, talk to you, and, and get you to a place that you can... And get you what you need to be able to move because forward. It's 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 impossible, uh, or it can be impossible. I think it's impossible. I state that back, but it can, it can be a you're going upstream um, yep. with a lot of that. If you don't address some of those issues um, that that play people day in and day out, and it's even more extreme now. I mean, at least it's now more um, recognizable than it was. I think even for us growing up, uh, I think the use of technology, the use of um, these different things like you, you have there's a different world out there that we don't have to deal with oh man and you already know and that's um, that's real so I think uh, there's a lot of mental health cases like kids who are suicidal that we're trying to how do you support them um, how can we best make sure that they have what they need so that A we can make sure we're taking care of mental health and then B like get the rest of this stuff done like how can we go to school now how can we continue to have conversations with people and not blow up and explode like why are these things happening um this recently when my staff went um, and supported a young person who was it was suicidal, and they didn't the people the doctors the police there didn't know how to handle them or, or speak to them in a way to get them to calm down and, and be like cure them, uh, so they called my team member up and said hey I, I need support like he's he's asking for you, he went up there was able to clear out all the the adults in there the twenty plus adults who were in this room or in this space probably time. probably exacerbating <laughs> the situation and and. Was able to say, hey, let me just let me just talk to him myself, and was able to calm this young person down. Say, hey, we get mental health evaluation. Could you just try something that, you know, we have to, we have to now make sure that you're okay. And there's and there's some some um, things we want to do to make sure we can you know support you. And so was able to talk to him in a way that helped him to calm down, relax, understand the situation and the gravity of it. Right. So that he can get the necessary test done, so that he can move forward with everything. Yeah, because I believe yes. in a lot of situations like that too. I've seen adults. Either whether it be purposely or on accident, but actually escalate the situation. Yeah, yeah. Purely because they just don't get it's just like chill out. Yeah. Like both of y'all, you know what I'm saying? Both people can't be going off like look going off the deep end right now. There's got to be one calm person in this equation. Yep. You know what I mean? It's a power struggle though. Like I exactly. think sometimes like we, we as people we do that. Like we think about, oh, I wanna be like I wanna be the one in control. Control looks different depending, it, it depending on how. Yep, <laughs> it, depending on who it is. It just looks different, and it doesn't need to be that way. Like it, it's and it's letting go. And control place. doesn't always need to be. It isn't always obtained forcefully. No, 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 no. It, you know what I mean? Like 
you can soothe and assuage somebody into giving you control mm-hmm. over a situation. You know what I mean? And not at but once again, that's training, dude. That's training. It's also being like culturally aware, culturally confident, but also like and being self aware. Because there's some that are not self aware at all, bro. <laughs> oh, self awareness is something else. That's a be. That's a whole other beast in itself. Isn't it? Isn't it though? Yep. So and so, how do you see? And you kind of touched on this a little bit, but how do you see? How do you think? Us as individual individuals can systematically kind of change, change that, change the lack of awareness, change the lack of mental health, uh, mental health um, care that we get to to our youth. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think a large part, and we talked about this, is like how are we partnering together as community organizations, as yeah. community leaders, as um, these different systems, how are we partnering together to be more intentional around that? Yeah, how I think we, a lot of us, I think a lot of them aren't. Yeah, They're oh, very yeah. siloed. That's, because that's of, cause so when you, because when, yeah, because when you actually take a, um, what, would, what what do you call it? Uh, an inventory there you go, okay. of the different resources around a community and city. Like some communities might lack, but some don't. Yeah, I think sure. overall across the city, there are, there are are like a plethora of resources, right? Especially but they're all doing their own thing, and they all kind of um, maybe they lack in certain areas. But where they lack in one area, another organization excels at it. Yep. But they're so intent of doing that and doing their own thing that they f- they fail to combine and serve all their constituents in the best way possible. Yeah, and that's one of the theories. Um, I got when you got to learn about in school is community development. Like yes, how do we as a community come together? To support, you know, the growth and, and the development of our kids and right. the people in general. Like, I mean, community development can really be intentional around people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that's, that's definitely a, a layer. I think, you know, the challenge is who's going to step up to, to help create that. Um, I think there are large organizations who I think have capacity to be able to start to bring people together. But everybody wants to say, I want the name versus I just want, the, I just want a better community at the end of the day. I can care less about who's doing what. It's about how are we supporting our young people, how are we supporting the people in our community the best way we can possible. Right. Regardless of who's like, I'm hitting this up, it's let's just do it. Right. So um, another question that I wanted to ask you is, because you've, you've been doing this work for quite a while. Yeah. Have you seen the direction of youth? Like how have you seen the direction of youth and their needs change over the years? Have they changed? At all, and if they have, like, what direction have you seen? And I have a suspicion of what you may say. <laughs> what do you think, Miss Sam? Well, I think one of the things that you're going to highlight is actually around mental health, like you just touched on, because that is something that I think where the masses are just now becoming enlightened to. Mm-hmm. Like people doing the groundwork have always known it, yeah, and have been preaching to higher ups and different organizations and powers that be that it is an issue. But I think just now, over the past year, year and a half, two years, have, have the powers that be and other people really started to, to realize that. You know, I've, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, I think. Um, it's always been there. It's just how it hasn't been spoken of or, or talked about as widespread as it is now. So I think as we look at ways and continue to support our young people, recognizing that they deal with real issues. Like, I know we come from a school of hard knocks sometimes and we say, you know what, pull yourself up. And yeah, 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 yeah. 
but it's not that easy. Um, I don't think it's 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 okay and it's fair for us to not acknowledge some of those issues and some of those feelings and emotions that people have. Right. And so we have to be better about doing that. And so I think that's one thing that as a as a community, as a as a organization, as what we do is is continue to improve. And something I've seen is that kids want to talk more about that stuff. Kids want to be they want to be more vulnerable and open around that. But it's like we it's like you want them to open up. Yeah. But then when they do, people are constantly shutting them down. You shut them down and you say, "Oh well." Or you invalidate their feelings yep. or thoughts. And, and, and that and that's tough because, like I said, and that's something that we've all dealt with uh, to some degree. Not not any not like somebody trying to do it purposefully. But that was like the culture of the aware. time. Yeah, but the culture is aware. different now, right? Yeah. The yeah. culture is different now. We just want to aware as we are we are now. And I think the biggest thing is how you learn from. How do you continue to reflect? And move forward so that you can be better today than you were yesterday. So I can dig that. Yeah, I can dig that, man. So I mean, that's pretty much all I have for you as far as your your work, man. So oh, you know, what, I'm what are your future plans, though? I want to know what's what's up for Ray Blackledge in the future, man. Next year, next couple years, you know. You know, and that's a. I personally think you need to be running an organization, <laughs> but that's me. I've already sat down and talked to you about that enough, you know. You know, I think there are opportunities, and like I said, the one thing I say is guys never steer me in the wrong direction. So I think um, as, as I look at ways to continue to be impactful in communities, continue to be impactful in how we speak, talk to, and uh, move forward with how we uh, organize as well as support, I think that my, I'll, I'll be in the ranks of, of hopefully a community leader and being able to be intentional on how to be best support. And I don't want to be in, I don't have to be in the front. Like I said, my job is right now I'm in the back. Right. I'm okay being behind the scenes doing stuff and making sure things happen and getting things done. Um, it's really about how we best how we better in our today for our kids and today for our people. So is that like the career move for you? Is that like the dream career move for you to be leading an organization doing that type of work or is it you something know, else? That would that would be amazing. I think in any in any regards to to be able to impact at a larger scale is always the goal. And whatever it was and you can continue to impart and spread that's that's the dream. Like I, I, I think um, I can do right now at a lower level, and like I said, I can definitely see that happen in the next couple of years at a, at, a, at a greater level, at a grander level. I can dig it. So yeah, thanks, Will. You know, just I, you know, when <laughs> we get together, I gotta pry a <laughs> little bit. Pry, pry and push. That's what, that's what we do. Like, so you know, about to continue. Figure out what's you know, yeah. figure out what's going on with you, man. So um, yeah, man. You know, hey, so. That's essentially really like all I have for you today, man. It was okay. just, um, it was just good to get kind of sit down and, and rap with you a little bit, yeah. man, and and get kind of the update on on work. Because even though I kind of I, like I I know what you do, I also know with that type of work the landscape changes. <laughs> it changes a lot. It can change from week to week, yeah. you know, um, and I gotta say personally. To see how you've navigated that, you know, the last several years that I've known you, like, as it's to be honest with you, it's been a work of art, dude. Because I don't know anybody in the line of work, even though I'm doing something different now, that has any negative thing to say about you. And that's, and that's rare. Because there's always somebody saying something about somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether or not it's valid and, you, and you're okay with it or not. Like, I don't know anybody that has anything negative to say about you. And, you know what I mean? Like, the fact that, granted, you're in, a, in, a, in, a, in an awesome position right now. You're doing great work. The fact that you aren't, like, 20 levels 
above where you are right now, I'm like, yo, that's tragic. Like, it's not because you're not doing the work. I think people need to recognize that, man. Well, I like, really seriously. appreciate that. Like, seriously, like, people need to recognize that, man, because you definitely put in the work. You know what I mean? I mean, you ain't really putting in that work in the weight room, <laughs> but, you know. Well, you, you ain't, ain't want to do nothing yet, so that's all you, bro. That's on you, big bro. Hey, I invite you. I invite you anytime you want to come through. Oh, now you want to invite me on now. Okay. I want to invite you anytime you want to come through, but, you know, hey, you, you know, Ray's too pretty to get in the gym. You know, Ray's too pretty to get in the gym. Ray, and for, for y'all, you know, I, y'all, you guys will probably see from me, I might, might post a picture or something like that. But Ray's one of these uh, pretty boy cats. Looks like he gives himself a lineup you know, yeah. every two, three days. You know, he gets his clippers out. Line Actually, my bar every would be two. upset to hear that guy. I don't, I don't do that as often as I should. So I <laughs> my bar would be upset. So I can't, I can't, I can't say that unless you do that because you're gonna be mad at me. No, Ray, Ray's one of old school cats that throw on some Stacy Adams. Oh, you got him. You know, every day. I can rock it. I can rock it. You know. When you gonna let me get that Malcolm X bobblehead you got on your desk? You know what though, that was that was a gift. So I don't know. That that might be. You gonna have to come up your next move. You gonna when you, gonna, hey, you, a, when you in Congress? I'm gonna say this is you. You gonna have to come up off that man. <laughs> you might. Hey, you know I know where your office I, and stuff I know is. You, do. you I might know come you in do. one day and you know it's just conveniently gone. Most people know you. That's the thing. Like, ain't nobody gonna say nothing. They, they won't. That's ain't the nobody gonna nobody, say nothing. Uh, some dude that's not. Will he say knew you? It was cool. What's happening? You know. I leave a message with him. I let him know. <laughs> Loose lips, sing tips. <laughs> Loose, don't don't go around that. telling. You know, <laughs> not out here. Yeah, uh, that's cool. But hey, I, I do want to say I greatly appreciate it. Um, um, I, you just continue humble my presence. And I, I, I appreciate being here and being able to spit with you for a little bit. Um, I think that what you're doing right now is is vitally crucial and important. As we talk about opportunities and, and looking at. Different ways of communicating, different different means of communication. This is huge, and um, although you on your way, bro. Like I said, I'm trying, man. I you know I really enjoy doing it. I enjoy um, kind of getting my thoughts out there, leaving opportunity for other people to come on, sit fellowship with me, and get their thoughts out. And uh, even for my listeners, man, I just want to give people something to listen to, something to think about. I want people to feel like. Um, the conversations that I have on this podcast that they can it's something that they can relate to. Yeah. Um, whether they agree or disagree. But I want to get more dialogue out there about the normal everyday things that normal everyday people like deal with. I feel like this day and age everything is all about entertainment. Everybody wants to be entertained, but nobody wants to be fed. Nobody Ooh. wants to be fed <laughs> intellectually Ooh. or emotionally. Everybody wants to be entertained though. They want to, you know what I mean, and 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 I'm not saying that as if I'm so I'm some you know intellectual leader out there yeah, in the world, yeah. but but I like guys. to yeah yeah, but I like to talk about things that are relevant to you know to, to to all of our lives that we're dealing with, you know, and that we can grow from, and so that's the whole point to this podcast, man, and I I'm enjoying doing it, and as long as I can keep doing that and doing it in my with my with my vision and staying true to myself. And and having great people like you on, I'm happy as can be, yo. I'm happy as can be. So, um, for all you listeners out there, um, as I always say, anybody got any type of critiques, any questions, um, any comments, any ideas, please shoot me an email to chilltimepod at gmail.com, and I, I would love to address those. But But on that note...
I got nothing else for you. I'm out. You got anything for him, Ray? That's it. I appreciate y'all. Take care. All right. We'll holler at y'all. Y'all take it easy. Peace out.